Shepherd is an incredible ministry, and we are so grateful to all those who are involved in the ministry, and, and to be able to hear one of our youth you know, talk about the fact that they played ball in the ministry, but then became uh, a coach in the ministry, helping to shape and mentor the lives of others, and to be able to share Christ with others is, is such a blessing, and we would love for you to be a part of that ministry. Uh, it's a great opportunity, as, as Stephen mentioned. You know, there are 30% of the people in our community have no faith involvement, 30% of the people in Upward coincidentally, have no faith involvement. So what an opportunity for people to be able to come onto a church campus and to be able to uh, hear about God and God's love for us through Jesus Christ and to be a part of their lives. So we invite you to do that. Uh, I was sharing with somebody earlier, one of my favorite stories of Upward was uh, when one of our little kids playing ball fell and, and got hurt just a little bit. Not bad, but just more feelings hurt than anything and got up and ran over to the referee for a hug. You just don't, I doubt you're going to see that during the Panthers game, you know, where somebody runs over to the referee for a hug. Um, but what a safe place, you know, to be able to know that you are loved. Our scripture today comes from 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll begin at verse 6, but let's pray together. God, we're just so grateful for your love and grace and grateful to be the church and grateful to be a place where we fall down, we can get up and know that we can receive a hug and be loved in the name of Jesus Christ. So God, we pray now as we study your holy word that you would pour out your spirit. And as I stand before these, your people, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It was earlier in the week, this week, when, when I saw her. She, she caught my eye. Of all the people that were there, she's the one that caught my eye. She, she never lifted her head up, so I, I really don't know what she looks like. I could just kind of see her as she was pulling her little red wagon with everything that she owned inside of it. We'd gone to one of the shelters to kind of see the ministry, and as you know, we support a lot of ministries in, in the life of this church. We partner with other ministries, but we then visit and follow up and see what's happening in the ministries and how they're doing and how we can help, and, and it's just good accountability for each other and sharing and partnership, and, and so I was watching this lady. She had this little red wagon with a blanket covering it. My assumption is that everything that she owned was in that wagon. And she came out. Now, the shelter where she had been was a place where she could come in and take a shower. She was well-groomed. She appeared to be just like anyone else. And it's also a place where you can go and, and wash your clothes. Maybe that's what was in the wagon. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that she was totally homeless, but maybe she just didn't have a place to be able to get cleaned up and to wash the clothes or whatever it might be. She cherished that blanket, though, or that, that wagon, because over it was a blanket to protect and, and maybe to hide so that everybody can't see your closet, everything that you own. 
but I watched her. It's also a place where she could get something to eat. She didn't know who the servers were that were serving her that day, but what she did know was is that, that there were some people who handed her a bowl of soup and handed her a sandwich and, and gave her something to drink and smiled at her and recognized that she was real, that she existed, that she was a human being who was valued. After we had left there and gone to lunch and a couple other places, we saw her again, this time a couple miles down the road. We recognized her, not because of her face, I've never seen her face, but we recognized her because she was pulling the red wagon again. She had stopped on the side of the sidewalk and, and had sat down, knees drawn up toward her chest, and her head was resting on her knees. You know, maybe the reason she never showed her face is perhaps she's one of those people that feel invisible to the world that no one seems to notice her. But I noticed. I wished I'd known her story. I, I wondered about her story. You know, she was obviously somebody's daughter. I mean, at some point, she was a baby. She survived, which meant somebody at some point picked her up. Somebody changed her diaper someday. Somebody had given her a bottle or fed her or made sure that she was able to eat. Somebody took a little spoon and put food in her mouth. Somebody had a dream for this person. It makes you wonder what happened between the dream and today. What happened? I wonder if she was somebody's mother. I wonder if they know where mom is today. Or I wonder if she was somebody's sister. I wonder if they know what their sister's world and life is like today. I don't know. I wish, I wish I knew her story. I wonder what kind of home she grew up in. Maybe Was it a loving home or was it, was it a, a home that was so dysfunctional and disastrous that, that she had no choice but to get out on the street? Who, who knows? I've, I've gone with several church members over my ministry throughout the years you know, to, to juvenile court. If you've never been to juvenile court, you need to go to juvenile court. Everybody should go to juvenile court once. You need to see what happens in some people's lives because you sit there and you wait for your case to be heard while you're hearing other cases. And sometimes when I would hear the stories of what some of these people have grown up with, what some of these children experienced growing up, I, I realized, you know, had I, had I grown up in their environment, had I been in that situation, had I been in, I would have probably been a lot worse off than they are. How would we handle the situations that sometimes come in, come in our lives? I don't know her name. I wish I knew this lady's name. But here's what I do know. God knows her name. Actually, God loves her dearly. Actually, God loved her enough to die for her just like he did me. God loves her as much as he loves me. So our goal in the visit was to make sure that she and others just like her with similar stories had something to eat and a place to stay and a place to, to, to shower and, and be safe, a, a place where they could wash their clothes and, and seek to start a new life. All in the name of and on behalf of our Lord Jesus Christ. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a song that I fell in love with when I was a kid called What a Difference You've Made in My Life. Ronnie Millsap made it famous where he talks about what a difference you've made in my life and then he talks about what a change you've made in my heart. You've replaced all the broken parts and, 
And then he has the tagline where he goes, love to me was just a word and a song that had been way overused, but now I've joined in the singing because you've shown me love's true meaning. That's why I want to spread the news. Scott Baldwin was sharing with me Wednesday night that he saw an interview, actually looked it up with, you know, with us thinking about the song, and he saw an interview with Ronnie Millsap who said when he started singing it, it didn't, he wasn't thinking about it being a, a, a spiritual song, but the more he listened to it and the more he paid attention to it, he, he realized this song has been about God the whole time. What a difference you've made in my life. And so we've been looking at the difference God has made in our lives and the difference we can make in the lives of others in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Corinth was a, was a very affluent place. It was a popular place. It was a metropolitan area. It was a port city. It was cargo. There was business. There was culture. There were all kinds of things that were going on there. Paul had established a church in Corinth. He loved the church. He wrote regularly to the church. We have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, where he's writing to the church at Corinth. He had shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with them. He had called for them to be one in unity together. And now Paul is calling for them to participate in ministry on behalf of Christ, to make a difference in the lives of others on behalf of Jesus Christ. You see, the church in Jerusalem was poor. The church in Jerusalem was going through some difficult times under the Roman government. They didn't have the blessings that so many others had received. And, and, and Paul understood that, that we are blessed by God in order then to turn around and be a blessing to others on behalf of God. And so he, he writes that Paul had grown up Jewish. You have to remember, Paul was, Paul was one of the Pharisees. He, he was one of the, the most Jewish of the Jewish. And so Paul knew the Old Testament. He had studied the Old Testament. He knew the great commandments that we were to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and our mind. And, and he knew the commandment of God to love your neighbor and the way that you love yourself. He, he understood that. And, and he understood that, that our generosity is taught by the Scripture, our tithing is taught by the Scripture, it is an act of worship, an act of gratitude, praising God for all that we received, and that our tithing and our stewardship and our generosity is also an act of loving the neighbor, making a difference in the lives of others in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. He knew it, it wasn't some financial obligation. It was, it was an act of worship an act of ministry. So he's writing to this church that, that didn't grow up with the foundation that he had, and he turns his, his message to generosity. And hear what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul says, The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must Give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it's written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that He's given to you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. I mean, Paul is now teaching that, that our stewardship and our generosity, it's, it's a deep expression of our faith with gratitude. It's, it's a recognition that all of our blessings come from God. And it's to be an act of worship. And that's why Paul says here, you know, now don't give out of reluctance or compulsion. So if the offering plate starts coming by or it's time, you know, and you're going, oh man, just let it go. Because the heart is what's critical in it. It's, it's that God loves a cheerful giver, that one who, whose giving is out of, out of worship and praise and thanksgiving to God. I hear people say a lot of times, you know, I work hard though for everything that I am and for all that I have and, 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 and I, you know, I just, I, everything that I've got have been earned by these hands. Well, that may be true, but I will tell you one of the things I've learned from, from going on mission trips around the world, it sure does help to make a difference where you've been born. And, and it sure does make a difference what kind of family raised you and nurtured you and helped you and educated you and got you to be able to do some of the things you do today because when I've traveled to Costa Rica and to Guatemala and to Bulgaria and to Romania and to Kenya and other places, I've met people who have faith in Christ that makes me look like an amateur. And I have met people who work harder than I ever thought about working and I think I go wide open. And yet, our blessings are a little different. I'm blessed. I recognize that there are things that I've earned, but I also recognize overall, I'm blessed. Blessed by God. I had a, a gentleman come in my office just a, a couple weeks ago. It's one of those you know, times when you get, you know, somebody wants to come by and talk to you for a few minutes, and you're, you know, typically when you're in the church and you hear that somebody wants to come by and talk for a few minutes, you're thinking, okay, who have we made mad now? You know, who's upset about what? Uh, but it wasn't that at all. Actually, this guy comes in and he's, he sits down and he starts talking to me and his eyes start watering. And he was talking about one of the ministries of this church and what it means to him. And, and, he, and he started sharing with me. He goes, you know, I, I, I am just so blessed. He goes, I, you know, when I look at how I grew up and, and I look at where I am today, I... I am blessed beyond measure, and I don't deserve the blessings that I have today. And, and I recognize that, that God has just put me in this amazing place. And I love this church. And I, and I love what you're doing in these ministries. And so he pulled out an envelope, and he slid it over, and, and on the top of it, it had $10,000. And he just said, I, I, don't, I don't know how to to thank God enough. Because I'm going to tell you, this may seem crazy to you, but you know what my favorite part of the worship service is? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if this is your favorite part. But he goes, you know what my favorite part of the worship service is? I said, what's that? He goes, the offering. I said, what? It was more like, what? 
And he said, every week I realize how blessed I am. And I cannot wait to come to worship and tell God how much I thank you. Wow. Wow. Paul says, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a recognition that our blessings come from God. And he goes on to say, and, and it's, it's faith that the God who blessed us today will bless us tomorrow. You know, I think one of the reasons when the children of Israel were coming through the wilderness and God fed them manna from heaven, he said, now, eat what you can eat today, but you can't hoard it. Now, that does not mean that we shouldn't be prudent. I mean, I have a retirement account. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, we have savings. We try. It doesn't mean be foolish. But what it does mean is, is that, that don't be so greedy that all we do is keep the blessings of God for ourselves when God has also blessed us to bless others. So verse 8, Paul says, And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, and catch this, so that by always having enough of everything, so that since you're blessed and have enough of everything, then, then you may share abundantly in every good work. So part of our giving is faith that the God who blessed us today will, will turn around and bless us again tomorrow. And then Paul goes on to say, and, and that this generosity and stewardship, it's actually ministry. Catch verse 12. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. The testing of this ministry, through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. Now here's what's interesting. Meredith, our, one of our associate pastors over here, Meredith is an ordained deacon that word is diaconia it, it means to serve it means to to be in ministry or service to make to seek to serve on behalf of jesus christ the word that paul uses here in this word for ministry is that same word diaconia all of us are called in ministry all of us are called to serve all of us are called to make a difference in the lives of others so it's a recognition that, that we're called to be in ministry. And Paul says, and when you do, you supply the needs of others and offer thanksgiving to God. I walked in the building, and I noticed the guy sitting in a wheelchair. He was a, he was a pretty strong-looking guy, but I guess he had been maneuvering himself around for quite some time, so he had the muscles and the build to show for it. What caught my eye was his hat. It said Vietnam veteran. Had the Army logo on it, which I knew since my son had served eight years in the Army. And so I, I started just kind of glancing over in his direction because I wanted to tell him I was grateful for his service, but he was in a passionate dialogue with another guy who had obviously served in the military, and they were talking about where they had served and where in Vietnam they had been and whose unit really made the biggest difference. That was there. It's the kind of debate you hear oftentimes. He had fought for his country. He had helped provide the freedoms that many of us hold dear today. And he was homeless. Lunch was almost ready. He was in a warm space getting ready to roll up to a table and have a hot meal. Paul says, when, when you share in your generosity, you, you provide for the needs of the saints. But it also gives thanksgiving to God 
It was through the testing of this ministry, he says, that, that you glorify your God by your obedience to the gospel, your generosity. It makes a difference in others. And you become part of the community of faith. And he said in verse 14, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that's been given to you. And one of the things I love about being in ministry today is that, that around our world today, people have, during their prayer time, given thanks to God for you. There are a bunch of children in Kenya that love you to death and thank God for you. There are pastors leading church in Kenya today that know who you are and thank God that in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ, you have helped offer the good news of Jesus Christ to their tribes and their villages and to provide a place for them. There's a church in Bulgaria that joined together to worship God and they gave thanks to God because you provided them the space. And, and, and a church in Romania that's joining together with all these young adults and a young adult clergy couple that are seeking to, to proclaim Jesus Christ. And, and I could go on and on. There are people who join together in Costa Rica worshiping God today in buildings that many of you help build. And, and they give thanks to God for you because you're part of a community. The beautiful thing about our sharing and, and, and being a part of the church is that we realize we're part of something that's bigger than us. It's a community of faith, the people of God around the world and here as well. So we made another stop. And, and there was a guy who, who met us there when we got there. He greeted us at the door. He stayed busy doing little things. I think he was more ADD than I am. He, he just couldn't sit still. There were not enough chairs at the little table where we were supposed to have conversation. And so he went over and started pulling some chairs from the stack. And I said, let me help you. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. He wanted to be able to do it. He had it, he had it. He had it. And we, we could understand him very well, but it was pretty clear in listening to him speak that, that there was something going on that perhaps had held him back from being able to succeed at the level that, that many of us have. His ability to make a comfortable living was clearly limited. But he wasn't lazy. He stayed busy. He stayed busy the whole time. He was doing his absolute best. He had a smile on his face. You could just tell he loved God. He was so polite. He was so helpful. And when we were meeting with the director, he stayed all around the area because I think he wanted to hear everything we were saying. And I know that because periodically he would interject, you know, and, and add something to it. But he stayed busy, emptying the trash, making sure everything was in place. She told us about him and how he mops the floor, sweeps the floor, takes care of everything that's going on. And, and as she was telling us, you know, now this ministry has been in existence for, you know, how many number of years he's been there. He comes over to us, you know, we're sitting there at the table and he steps in and he leans over and he goes, and I've been here the whole time. Oh, he was just so thrilled and so excited to be there and, and to be a part of it. And then as we were talking about, they do Bible studies and other things, he said, and I'm part of the church. I, I'm part, I do Bible study right over there. I do Bible study right there. What a privilege it was to be in ministry with this guy. Because in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ, he had a place in this world. And he made a difference. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. 
Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17, And for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous, and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves treasure of the good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Paul says in Acts 20, verse 35, And all this I've given you an example, that by such work we must support the weak, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7, God says, if there is any among you, anyone among you in need, a member of your community in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God has given to you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand willingly Lending enough to meet the need, whatever it might be, give liberally and ungrudgingly when you do. For on this account, the Lord your God will bless you and in all your work and in all that you undertake. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and to the needy neighbor in your land. Proverbs 22, verse 9, those who are generous are blessed for they share their bread with the poor. Malachi 3.10 Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down on you an overflowing blessing. So as we think about the difference that God has made in our lives, we think about the calling that God has made on our lives, to be the church, to be the physical presence of Jesus Christ, to be the body of Christ in our world, and to make a difference in the lives of others in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to pray about your generosity and your stewardship. And you're going, well, he's talking about money. No, he's not. He's talking about ministry. He's talking about ministry and calling. He's talking about giving thanks to God and worship. To, I'm inviting you to ask the question, you know, how, is, how is your generosity, how is my generosity a reflection of my worship and my gratitude to God? How is my generosity and an act of my worship and my gratitude for God? The first commandment is that we love God with everything we've got. What a difference God has made in our lives and, and, and how do we share in return. I'll share with you, Nancy and I, you know, the, the very first line on our budget, the very first line on our family budget is our tithe. Why? Because everything that we're able to do underneath that is a result of God's grace and blessing in our lives, and we know it. So the first line is our gratitude to God and our thanksgiving to God. I remember talking to my son one time, and, you know, he's an accounting guy now, and and, and he was going, so God, you know, Dad, do you take the standard deduction? And he goes, no, 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 never mind. I know what you do for the church. I went, ah. Oh. You know, 
An example. I know that you believe in the church. Actually, I believe in God and serving Him through the church. It makes a difference. I, w- I want to ask you to, to pray about is, is our generosity and our stewardship an act of ministry because we love others? The second great commandment is that we love one another. And, and so is my generosity, my stewardship, an act of, of loving? So I want to invite you. you. You can go online and you can, you can look at the various ministries, the missions of the church. You can see how you can plug in ways that you can serve. But you can also go on and you can, you can make a commitment. And it, and, and it doesn't need to be just a one-time thing. Now, some of us do, you know, some of us make our offerings once a year. Some of us make our offerings once a month. I do that because I feel guilty sometimes three out of four Sundays. But the problem is, with four services, which means the offering plate is passed four times every Sunday, and there are four or five Sundays in a week, that and I, we, we, we put one offering in, and so I'm, I'm feeling guilty like 15 times a, a, a month that the plate went, it's not about that. You know, we talked about, do we take our tithe, divide it by 15 so that every service can see us do something? Well, it's not about you seeing me do something. Or me seeing you do it. But it is about God and response. So I encourage you to think about where my family budget and my gifts that God has given to me. How do I love God and how do I love others? And do I realize that everything below that line is because of God's grace and gift in my life? You can now go to the handy-dandy app and you can actually do a one-time gift. So on a Sunday morning when you go, ah, oh, I forgot my checkbook, not a problem, pull up the app. Give thanks to God. But you can also tell it, I want to do this weekly, I want to do it every two weeks, I want to do it monthly, I want to do it annually, whatever you need to do. Because it's not about so much the how, it's the that. It's that we love God and love our neighbors. And you're also, the materials that we send out each year about the ministries and missions of the church are about to come and you'll have the opportunity to see and and to respond. But remember verse 12. Paul says, for the rendering of this ministry, this ministry, this ministry, not only supplies the needs of the saints. It does, but that's not all it does. But it overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with others. Will you pray with me? God, you call on us to be your church. And God, our calling is not simply to be a pretty building on a hill or a group of people that meet together on occasion to be able to worship you. You call us together to truly worship you as the body of Christ, to be the physical presence of Jesus Christ in our world today. Not to look like the church, but to be the church. So God, we pray that you would help us to examine our lives and our hearts and ask how do we love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and our mind, and and how do we love our neighbors? And God, we just pray that you would help us to be faithful and to make a difference in the lives of your people and your world, all in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.